0: will reign over If You can hand me mine down there. Do you believe that Jesus Christ will reign over all? You see, I don't. He won't. He is. It's not that he will someday. He is the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I've already had, I've been here since about 530 this morning, and I'm wired for sound. I have never been more excited about a a passage of Scripture before in my life. And in the first service, I got so excited that I think that I lost something. And so I'm going to try to keep it down a little bit so that we can just see the magnificence of Jesus Christ as He hangs as the sacrifice for all of the world in order to glorify His Father. So, turn in your Bibles to John's Gospel. John chapter 19. John chapter 19, and we're going to start reading in verse 17. So we're going to stand in honor and reverence for the reading. God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Remember, this is not the words of John. John wrote them down as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what it says giving the account of the crucifixion. They took Jesus, therefore, and went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha. And there they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. And Pilate wrote an inscription, and put on it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, King of King, King, of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read the, this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests and all of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, <laughs> What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garment and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. And so they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill Scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers... Did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that was John, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. And a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to his mouth. And therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed. His head. And gave up his spirit. Would you bow with me? Father God. All of history hangs. On the event. Of three days. Beginning. With the collective. That your son Jesus Christ died. But that he didn't stay dead. we look at the crucifixion today may we learn something of sacrifice in Jesus name we pray amen you may be seated I want to bring up the first slide it's a, a painting a very famous painting by Rembrandt maybe you've seen it maybe you have not it's called three crosses it's one of his most simple and yet most astounding paintings it's just black and white But the faces of everyone is not really drawn in. There's just lines for eyes. Even Christ himself is not delineated. And if you look way on the far right-hand side, in the fringes is a man with no face, no lines. And it's been said that Rembrandt himself painted himself in, knowing that it wasn't the Roman guards that put Jesus on the cross. Knowing that it wasn't the Pharisees and the Sadducees that put him on the cross. But knowing that it was he himself. That's what we're going to look at today. The cross. The sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. But also the offer that is given to everyone of sacrifice. Now, I'm going to do this differently than I did the first service. So, that's just the way it is. If you've been to both, you won't recognize it. When Jesus cried, it was finished. He completed his work on earth. In chapter 19, at the beginning, you will see that Jesus, well, in the middle, I guess, Jesus said to Pilate, For this reason I was born. For this reason I came into the world. Not to save sinners, but to bear witness to the truth. And at this point, when he cries out, it is finished, he's saying, all the witness that you need is done for you to be able to decipher through this world what is the truth and what is the lie. And trust me, Everything that you hear in the world today is either on one side of that or the other. It's either the truth or it's a lie. Now, here's the great journey that God has given each and every one of us. That as we live our daily lives, to be agents of evidence, to examine the evidence of life, and its purpose and to be able to see what is the truth and what is not the truth and Jesus clearly stated when he started his ministry if you try to find the truth outside of a relationship with me you will never find it so we see everyone searching for truth they find it in relationships for a little bit of time but it doesn't last They find it in material possessions, but it doesn't last. They find it in good looks. Well, some of us, I never did. But then that fades. Before long, it just becomes a hopeless mess. And you can see people in the world doing this over and over again. They think, well, guys think that if they, you know, as many women as I can get you know, this is gonna satisfy me and then if if that doesn't work well then maybe I need to try all the men too and so I'll try to have relationships with women and then I'll try to have relationships with men and somehow I'll be able to find what satisfies me women Say, well, I, I'm trying to find this man who's my soulmate. And so I'm, I'm going to go through life and I'm going to find out my soulmate. And I've gone through seven husbands and I can't seem to find my soulmate. So maybe it's another woman. And this is the, the, the pattern of the world. None of it's worse. None of it's better. You see, we like to think that if we haven't got to the point, if I haven't got to the point of searching after another man, that I'm better than the ones that have gotten to the point of searching for another man. That's not it. The point is all of us are in the same boat. We bought into the lie that any of that stuff will satisfy us. None of it will. If we could start with that premise, we could have some progress. Jesus is dead at the end of our text. Well, I'm glad he didn't state it. We're going to look at the text today and we're just going to draw out three proofs that Jesus was the truth. Now, here, here's the deal. We could pick out you know, hundreds from the crucifixion. Do you realize that there is, well, we'll get into that in a minute, but th- we could go on for hours and I'll try not to. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to give you some evidence today and I want you to stare at it and look at it, see if it's not true. But I guarantee you this, before you leave today, you will have made a choice. Proof number one. This may be the weightiest, most rational argument that there is. Prophecy. Not just prophecy, because anybody can prophesy, right? But fulfilled prophecy. That I could say something hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And then it comes to pass with specificity. We're going to look at some of that. Let's, let's just dive right into it. But uh, 300 years before Christ, there was a man named, and I'm a philosophy major, so I don't want to bore you too much with philosophy, but there was a man named Plato. Anytime I mention Plato, it hails People have narcoleptic attacks. Okay. <laughs> But Plato said this 300 years before Jesus Christ was born. If ever the truly good man were to appear, a man who would tell the truth, he would have his eyes gouged out and it would end up being crucified. Now that's not in the Bible. That's outside of the Bible. But it's a prophecy like fingerprints to a crime scene investigation. I don't know if you like watching those shows, but, but I do. I like watching the whole thing. I like them trying to, ooh, I know who it is. And then Sean goes, uh-uh, ain't it. And then at the end, I have to go, eh, you were right, I was wrong. She's very much more discerning than me. But I like those shows. I like trying to figure it all out. God placed that within every one of us. This desire to want to seek it out. To want to find out what the truth. Every one of us csi agents for what the truth is now it, it's so awesome to see that jesus christ is the fingerprint of god he's the only one that really shows what human nature really is and what the ultimate solution is so let's look at some genesis three fifteen. right after adam and eve have sinned they, the curse has been given and then the hope comes He says, and I will put enmity between you, that's Eve, and the, the, I mean, between the serpent and the woman, Eve, and between your offspring and hers. But then the last part says what? Read that for me, out loud. What's going on? The idea is that Satan is being portrayed in this as the serpent. Satan has controlled the serpent, has deceived Adam and Eve, and that Somehow as Adam and Eve have screwed up, all of humanity fell with Adam. But there was going to come one. What the Bible describes as the second Adam would come. And he would not mess up like Adam did. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And that when the point came, It was going to look like the serpent was winning. And that's what it means when it says the serpent was going to bite the heel. But yet that heel was going to come down and crush the serpent. The idea is that when Jesus Christ was hanging between this world and the next, Satan was excited. Finally, we've killed that sucker. Little did he know that when he said it was finished, He was describing Satan. You're finished. But let's move on. Isaiah 53, 7. says this. Read the whole chapter of Isaiah 53. But it says he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep is silent before his shearers, so he did not open his mouth. The idea here in the text, in verse 17, it says, he went out. In the Greek language, it means he wasn't forced to go out. He went out willingly. When he was standing before Pilate, he was silent. Could you do that? Well, I'd be screaming out with everything that I am, telling him, I'm innocent! Jesus didn't. But a sheep is dumb walking to the slaughter, right? Right? I mean, he wakes up one day, little cheap, right? I've been gaining weight, I've been having great days, and it's another beautiful day to go to the pasture and follow the shepherd. Ooh, this is great. But Jesus knew the whole way.